Last time we saw at the beginning of Acts 2, it was the day of Pentecost, a Hebrew celebration 50 days after Passover for the celebration of the barley harvest, 50, you know, penta means five, and the early church has come together, they're in one place, and that's Peter and James and John and the other apostles and, and family of Jesus, and there's about 120 of them together, and, and suddenly this noise like a violent rushing wind comes from heaven, and, and it fills the entire house where they're sitting. And, and tongues, which look like fire, they appear and they distribute themselves. They begin to separate as flames kind of leap and jump. And they rest on each one of the 120. And they are all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they begin to speak with different tongues as the Spirit was giving them the, the ability to speak out. And, and they pour out into the street evidently because... We find out there are Jews residing in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation, from every nation under heaven. Remember, this is a huge festival. And this sound occurs, and this crowd comes together, and, and they are bewildered, we read. They are amazed. They are astonished. And they say, aren't, aren't these all Galileans? These are all, these are all home folk. How is it that we hear each of them speaking our own individual languages. Again, it's a big festival. There are devout Jews from every nation known at that time, people from literally everywhere. There's Iranians, there's Iraqis, there's Turks, there's Syrians, there's Palestinians, Egyptians, Libyans, Greeks, Romans who speak Latin, Africans, all of these native languages. Every one of these native languages is being spoken. And what is spoken the mighty deeds of God. Mm. These, these devout onlookers, they continue in their amazement. They're greatly perplexed. That is some serious amazement if someone's perplexed. That's head-scratching amazement. And they're saying, what does this all mean? And others, they're jeering and saying, ah, oh, they're full of sweet wine. And today, beginning in verse 14, Peter begins his response to them. He, he takes his stand, and he stands with the other 11 apostles. He raises his voice, and he declares. Keeping in mind, this is the same Peter who denied Jesus, who ran away. He stands, raises his voice, and he declares, Men of Judea, and all you who live in Jerusalem, Know this and pay attention to my words, for these people are not drunk, as you assume, since it's only the third hour of the day. It's only 9 a.m., and yes, some start early, <laughs> but that's not the case here. All of you, pay attention. Then Peter says, this is what has been spoken through the prophet Joel. And he begins to share a prophecy that the Lord gave the prophet Joel way, way, way back. Actually, we find this prophecy of Joel, one of the oldest prophetic books in the Old Testament. And the people, way back then, were suffering from one of these locust plagues there in the Far East. There's famine as a result. They're being hit with something in their culture. And Joel the prophet calls the children of God to repentance and promises this gift of the Spirit as a great blessing of a far-off future. 
And so Peter shares these words from the prophet Joel. It shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour out my Spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And your young men will see visions. And your old men will will have dreams. And Peter goes on to quote Joel. And even on my male and female servants, I will pour out my Spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. In those future days, when the Lord will pour out His Spirit... It won't only be on prophets and priests and kings, which we see in the Old Testament. It's going to be on the servant, the common man. Fishermen from Galilee, like Peter and James and John and others. Peter begins, in essence, the first sermon of the New Testament church. It all starts here. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, this man you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and you put him to death. But God raised him from the dead, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him, for Jesus to be held in its power. Jesus, this man attested to the men of Israel by God with miracles and wonders and signs, God performed all of these through Jesus in the midst of these devout men of Israel. Peter says, just just as you yourselves know, you're aware of this. Miracles and signs and wonders. Jesus performed many. Do you remember the time, it was Matthew 9, when when Jesus goes into the home of a public official whose daughter has, has died, and it's a house of mourning. Jesus enters, takes the dead girl by the hand, and the girl gets up. And the news spreads throughout the land. And Jesus goes on from there. Same chapter. And two blind men follow Jesus and they're crying out, Have mercy on us, son of David! You see, they, they know who he is. <laughs> he touches their eyes. Their eyes are opened. And Jesus warns them. He says, See that no one knows about this. See, it's not time for him to be revealed yet. See that no one knows about this. But they, they go out. And they spread the news about Jesus throughout that land. And as they are going out, behold, a a demon-possessed man who is unable to speak is brought to Jesus. And after the demon is cast out, the man who has previously been unable to speak talks. And the crowds, they are amazed saying nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. What we will actually see in just a few weeks is when this activity starts to be seen with the apostles, it's not only amazement, it's fear. We 
in 2021, sometimes we forget the fear of the Lord, don't we? When the Lord provides a God-sized event in one's life or a church's life, we, we forget the fear of the Lord. This man of miracles, signs, and wonders, Jesus, Peter says, he was delivered over. What does that mean? Jesus was surrendered. These men of Israel nailed the man to a cross. These men of Israel, by their godless hands, put this man to death. And this was the predetermined plan of God, according to Peter. This was according to the foreknowledge of God, which is so hard for us to comprehend, hard for us to understand. We, we, we read earlier in our time this year what Peter would tell the church years from now in, in the letter of 1 Peter. You were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of a lamb unblemished, and spotless, the the blood of Christ. For He was foreknown before the foundation of the world. And and, and He's appeared in these last times for the sake of you. You who through Him are believers in God. Mm. God who raised Jesus from the dead. You see, Jesus was always God's plan. He was always God's plan. The Lord knew our relationship with Him would have to be restored. Because we, at the end of the day, we, all, we want our own way. <laughs> we would have to be redeemed, brought back from final separation from the Lord. Not, not by silver or gold, but by the precious blood of Jesus. Debts have to be covered. They they have to be paid. The bill comes up. The bill comes due. And debts have to be covered. They, They have to be paid. And Jesus' blood would pay the atoning sacrifice that would have to be paid to cover our sin debt. Way back when when Adam and Eve brought sin into the world by wanting their own way, not wanting to follow the Lord's direction. The Lord already had the plan to restore His people. The resurrection. God raised this man Jesus from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus puts an end to the agony of death. The resurrection caps off the end of death. Why? It was impossible for Jesus to be held in the power of death. This man, this God-man, with miracles and wonders and signs of the Lord, this man has experienced the miracle of the resurrection. And the crowd is hearing of this miracle of the resurrection. And again, this may in fact be the very first public proclamation of the gospel. This passage, it's Peter's sermon, the first part of it, it's the first recorded proclamation in New Testament Scripture. And the very idea that God raised Jesus from the dead, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for Him to be held in its power. Well, well, these men of Israel, 
All of these who Peter has called to attention. All of these whom Peter has called. From all the times they've gone into the temple to worship because they're devout Jews, they would have already been aware of this ending of death. What? How? Because they would have learned this in the temple. What a lot of people forget is that the prophet Isaiah spoke of the reality of the ending of death. The Lord of armies in Isaiah 25 the Lord of armies, we read, will destroy the covering which is over all peoples. The veil which is stretched over all nations. In that time, in that culture, a veil was worn during a time of mourning. In the same way in which we wear dark clothes to a funeral. The Lord will destroy this shroud of death. This veil of death, which covers all mankind. And Isaiah would go on to prophesy about the Lord. He will swallow up death for all time. And the Lord God will wipe tears away from all faces. And He will remove the disgrace of His people from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. And it will be said on that day, it will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God, for whom we have waited that He might save us. Israel waited on Jesus a long time. We Gentiles waited on Jesus a long time, didn't we? Isaiah would write, This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let's rejoice and be glad in His salvation. You see, in our day, we're able to rejoice and be glad in His salvation. Why? Well, what does Scripture say? We just read in verse 23 that Jesus was delivered over. Jesus was surrendered. Actually, Jesus allowed the soldiers in the garden to arrest him. He went with them willingly. Jesus surrendered himself to the cross in order to pay a debt, one which you and I are not sufficient in paying. We are unable to take care of our sin. Only Jesus' blood shed on the cross is sufficient to settle this debt. Again, de debts have to be covered. They have to be paid. And the miracle, Jesus' blood, this miracle puts an end to sin. And then God raised Jesus from the dead, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. And the resurrection, this miracle, puts an end to death. Jesus' blood puts an end to sin, the resurrection puts an end to death. And if all of these miracles and signs and wonders 
if they've been witnessed as true by all of these whom Peter has called to attention, it stands to reason. It stands to reason that what has been spoken of the great and glorious day of the Lord, which is coming, is true as well. There's one more thing that the Lord told Joel, which Peter shares with these with this crowd in Acts chapter 2 verse 19 the Lord says I will display wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below blood fire and vapor of smoke the sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes and it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved these devout men of Israel listening to Peter, they attend the temple, they knew the words of Joel. Some of these men, in fact, probably heard what Jesus himself said during that final week of Jesus' life. When Jesus was talking about the great and glorious day of the Lord. Matthew 24, Jesus says the Son will be darkened. And the moon will not give its light. And the stars will fall from the sky. And the, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And then all the tribes, all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. That day is coming. There's going to be mourning. All the tribes on the earth. Why? Well, the church will be mourning. The church will be mourning because of all the opportunities we've missed to preach the gospel. We will mourn each one of us, for all of the gospel conversations that we've been afraid to share. And we should grieve those lost opportunities to share the gospel. And it is essential that we take every opportunity. But you really don't want to be mourning on that day because you weren't ready to trust in this man of miracles, signs, and wonders. That means eternal separation from God. What did we just read? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Today is the day of salvation. Don't wait. If you're asking that question, will, will Jake... How can I be saved? Understand that you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Understand that you are a sinner. Understand that as a sinner that you deserve death. And, and you confess that to Jesus. You, you pray to Jesus. Jesus, I'm a sinner. You believe that Jesus died on the cross to save you from sin and death. If you never have done this, you, you ask Jesus to save your soul from death.
You ask Jesus to be Lord of your life. If He's going to be Savior, He's got to be Lord. And you receive through what you've just told Jesus, His salvation. And once you do this, Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 that you have God's Holy Spirit, the very life of God, living inside of you at that moment. Bringing you comfort and bringing you guidance and bringing you peace and bringing you help to deal with all of the remaining Mondays of your life. Until that day that you will see Jesus in glory. Or, if this comes first, the great and glorious day of His appearing. You want to be ready for that great and glorious day of the Lord.